0: Love Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymous Bosch of business. And so let's say now, you have just dragged to a tentative peace table the leaders of two armed factions, all set to launch a civil war in some strange country, and your job is to resolve the conflict and broker a peace. So what do you say? I bet you haven't a clue. Uh, but today's guest, Dr. Andrea Bartoli. Knows because he has done this for decades, and Andrea has negotiated peace in Mozambique, East Timor, Central African Republic, of Sudan, all across the world, and he is the leader in the impossible mission community of San Egidio and now Andrea has formed the San Egidio Foundation for Peace and Dialogue to share these sought-after <laughs> resolution techniques worldwide, just as he is going to do with you right now on our program. Uh, And I should mention also that Dr. Bartoli has been honored by the Prometheus Social Enterprise Awards for his his peace-brokering triumphs. He's an amazing gentleman. So whether you are seeking ways to resolve conflicts in your own business or your own country or your home... <laughs> or you want to just find where that ray of effective hope is worth succeeding in our national governance. Just lend a listening ear to the art of the CEO's feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Andrea, I'm so glad that you could break away from your classes and duties as Dean of Seton Hall's uh, Diplomacy School to join us today.
1: Hi, I'm glad to be here. Delighted to be here and uh, delighted to connect with you.
0: Oh, wonderful. Well, Andrea, before we get into the the how and why, let's jump right into the what. Shortly before the U.S. held its own contested elections, the Central African Republic called on you as a noted peace broker to, to make sure that the warring factions of that nation would accept the results of their fragile election. So could you briefly set the scene for us and tell us the situation you are facing there?
1: Yes, so the situation is, of course, uh, very tense in Central Africa Republic because of a long history of a country that has been uh, the subject of a significant uh, um, history of colonial history and uh, mm-hmm. internal divisions. Um, the tradition has been uh, a tradition of military coup and authoritarian regimes. Uh, but uh, uh, President Fadara um, was elected as the first uh, uh, president elected by the population and was facing a re-election campaign that was very difficult and very tense. Uh, There is a Mm -hmm. UN presence in the country, and there is clearly a Christian-Muslim divide that is not uh, helping the general um,
0: equilibrium
1: of the country. Um, So
0: so let me just ask you, so this is what we've got. This is uh, really a a nation sort of teetering on chaos. Uh, And you meet the you meet with the opposing factions. What were your first steps? I mean, how did you go about achieving a settlement or at least an understanding in this volatile climate?
1: In this particular case, honestly, my role was uh, marginal because the uh, factions themselves uh, are present there and I was simply advising. But the um, important role when you have a situation of tension is listening, is listening mm-hmm, first. Mm-hmm. And actually... Um, creating the conditions for this listening to be as honest uh, and effective as it can be. Because as you know very well, very often the speaker is not able to listen to himself or herself. You know, The, the person that is making the speech is actually not uh, fully aware of everything that uh, that speech is conveying. So a good listener... Yeah is able to enrich the understanding of the words that are said, of the communication that is said with, um, um, with everyone in a way that is uh, truly opening new possibility and new options.
0: Okay. Now, I've heard you say that, that when you, well, you've talked about listening, well, you and I have, and you, have, you said something that you have to listen and understand and honor the intent or, or the need of this person is, is that the way? How do you honor it?
1: Well, first of all, uh, with attentiveness. I think that uh, unfortunately, most of the time people tend to listen in a aggressive um, uh, mode, uh, always mm-hmm. um, preparing to respond, to counterattack, <laughs> and uh, to to Find uh, weaknesses and uh, difficulties in the reasoning of the other, and I think right. that the first way to honor is really to listen uh, attentively.
0: Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm.
1: definitely think that uh, that that's the first way to honor.
0: Oh, excellent, excellent! It's just, I know I just when you said that I was thinking that so often the tendency when we listen is to use. Uh, that guy's speech for me to to define the words and and edit the words that I want to say so it's just uh that I'm getting ready to say and burst out with so <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely absolutely yeah yeah it's definitely uh-huh. a very
0: interesting mechanism <laughs> Well, if you have just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time swoops majestically across the Zoom-clogged avenues of mysterious cyberspace, where you may listen and download this and all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. We're on several uh, stations, but to hear all our episodes, please visit theartoftheceo.com. Now, Andrea, this was Scarcely your first rodeo. Uh, you you negotiated your first national peace settlement. I, I think at age 29, and it was all because uh, when you were 13, you joined. Uh, if you'll forgive my term. Uh, a spirituality club in your home of Rome, Italy. Could you tell us the name of the organization and how it shaped your life as well as shaped the world?
1: Indeed, uh, the name is Community of Sant'Egidio. Uh, in English is Giles, St. Giles, mm-hmm. but in Italian it's Comunità di Santgidio, And when I joined, I was indeed 13, and uh, we were just a group of friends, you know, 20, 25 friends in high school and university. Now we are 250,000 mm-hmm. around the world. We are present <laughs> in many countries. And it's really a different uh, life. But I want to make sure that uh, the public understands that my role in all this peace agreement is actually marginal. I'm not... Uh, the main character here. You know, there is always a team effort. There is always a way for work to be done together. And my contribution has been usually the one uh, advisor, thoughtful, careful, um uh, speaker of options that uh, mm-hmm. allow process to um, unfold and to really succeed.
0: I, I'm glad you, you said that. And, and uh, the I and I particularly enjoy your idea of saying that you 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 undertake the seek uh, your role as seeker of options because truly that is uh, the only way that uh, such things can be formed when two opposing groups meet each other someone has to seek the options but present them and no one can ride roughshod totally of course uh, now Andy uh, Andrea
1: and yet and yet this uh, is you, very difficult right. This is very oh, difficult yeah. to seek options because when you are in a conflict, you know what you want and you know what uh, your adversary, your enemy wants. And uh, the fight is exactly on reducing the options in uh, making sure that the options that are dear to you, important to you, are recognized and victorious. And so the very mm-hmm. attitude of seeking options is... Um, a very important attitude that can be liberating in many settings.
0: Mm, mm. And I, I, I think, you know, it's just there are options, and it's just as a matter of who it is liberating. Because what we really want out of conflict is sometimes you just want to beat the other person down. But what what most of us really want is is to get what we want out of whatever situation we're in. And I I see that. Now, you have you mentioned that you started with about 25 of you and you've gone up to a quarter million devoted members worldwide today. Why has San Egidio uh, grown so magnificently? Um, Is is it the goals? Is it what is the appeal that motivates so many people to get behind uh, San Egidio's aims?
1: I think that there is a desire to live fully that is captured in Sant'Egidio's Egidio's simple offer of friendship. Sant'Egidio Egidio lives by these uh, uh, three words of prayer, service, and friendship. And it's clearly in friendship that uh, many experiences the um, opportunity for the spirit to speak. And, uh, you know, life is life. You know, life is always trying to say something to us. Life is always trying mm-hmm. to invite us uh, to invite us uh, <clears throat> uh, into some something else into somewhere else and into a new situation and so on. and when you are in friendship, you can explore these options more and differently and Santjido is particularly attentive to the possibility of being friends with the poor, and mm-hmm. this is a difficult art because many people see the poor as somebody that do not need to speak anymore, it needs to be set aside, it needs to be cared for, mm-hmm. but not listened to, not accompanied in friendship. And instead, uh, when you start caring for the poor, what you realize is that there are energies that are frequently um, unknown and uh, unrecognized, but there are also invitations. There are also opportunities mm-hmm. for creativity that we don't think of. You know, think about uh, Habitat for Humanity. It started, right. you know, by trying to solve to address the problem of somebody that didn't have a house and look at what, it, what became and so on. And I think that many things, you know, the hospitals. You know, we invented the hospitals because we started caring for those who were sick. So there are yes. many things in, in the schools and so on and so forth. The, the humanity grows when it pays attention to the poor.
0: It's, it's excellent. I think you and what I particularly like was what you said that the poor are someone that we say should a be ignored, be cared for, it, but seldom do we say they need to be listened to, and that is, which is of course goes back to your 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 basic premise and how to bring people uh, aside. I I just have one question. I have this as I say you have been into so many uh, countries and worked to negotiate broker peace often often options i have this vision and i think most of us do of the various factions sitting at a table with a, a broker there is is that how it works or do, or or is am i just am i sort of hollywoodizing this is it do you <laughs> meet with people directly or or is it do, do yeah, they never meet yeah, i mean yeah. how meetings, how so meetings, work?
1: so meetings definitely happen but I would say there are 10% of the work. 90% of the work is done before the meeting and after the meeting. is done bilaterally, it's done in networks. Uh, George Mitchell, that negotiated the agreement in Northern Ireland, said, uh, mm-hmm. I never had everybody at the table in the same space, in the same room at the same time. I always spoke with everybody, but I, I was never able to gather physically the entire system in one place. So I I think that that's Uh that's a fair assessment because usually what you have is um, sections, segments of the system. You have certain delegations, you have certain representation, and even when a government or a major faction is present, you can count on the fact that the government is divided, that the other main factions is divided, that there are many... Distinctions within that faction. you know. If you look at the
0: yeah. American
1: scene, you know, it's very clear that it, you cannot simply say Democrats and Republicans. You know, you have a lot of distinctions no, no. within, and uh, you say President Trump and the Republican. There are lots of distinctions and so on. So it, that that's always the case.
0: I see. Yeah. So actually, it yeah, it, and I I think treating people as a unit is, I we I, we always berate the marketers who say, well, millennials want this and boomers want that, as if they're all some sort of lockstep group uh, that work together. And and of course, no no People are even even cause uh, in Christ's disciples there were there were even there were even, uh, there were even uh, shall we say various factions. That, speaking <laughs> indeed, of which, I did. They were
1: they were back, they were actually well, discussing it so so clearly that Jesus intervened. So <laughs> it was very clear that <laughs> yeah. they
0: had factions. Yeah. It's, it's always it's always nice to have an itinerant preacher from Galilee to handle your uh, conflicts, but. Um, by the way, I, I, along those lines, you have received I, I want to just make this clear. You uh your community San Egidio, has received a uh great support from the Vatican, but you are not a church organized or uh, you uh your church you're you're supported by the Vatican and many other organizations, but you are not a church organization. That is correct, right? Well, well no
1: we are we are a church organization in the sense that we are recognized by the Holy See as a public lay association of the church but the political work oh. that we do is clearly not done on behalf of or in as a representation of the Vatican the Vatican has a very important uh, diplomatic structure um, mm-hmm. Has a enunciatura has a, there is a, a very important hierarchical structure in the Catholic Church with the bishops and so on. So Santegidio is a is a very unusual international actor,s and in that sense represents only itself and uh, its members. You know, certainly not uh, the mm-hmm. Catholic Church.
0: I say okay, I, I, yeah. I just wanted to, it, it's it's uh, well, you have gained so much support from so many, and I just wanted to make that that clear. Now. Andrea, you have uh, formed the uh, foundation for peace uh, and dialogue, uh, and to bring bring forth the techniques that are going to be a valuable survival kit for our planet. Uh, And I'm curious, whom are you? uh, How do you go about uh, talking about the techniques and bringing? And what is the who is the uh, foundation trying to reach?
1: So first of all, there is an internal conversation that is happening within the 250,000 people of Santa Gidia that are realizing that we are really <clears throat> working for peace all the time. You know, we are doing many, many things for peace, not only the agreements among warring factions. We are also doing school of peace for kids. We are welcoming foreigners. We are working with prisoners. And there are many initiatives that have peace component and the general mm-hmm. sense of the foundation is that uh, every human being every person has significant peace potential but we can um grow peace we can make peace we, uh, we can encourage peace and of course we can also do the reverse we can also uh, continue to <laughs> exacerbate conflict and uh, increase violence and uh, be disruptive and disrupt so is this idea that uh, the foundation, by paying attention to the peace work that the community of Sajiji has done already, will yeah. strengthen this peace potential that is within the community and among the members that and those who are interested and what is becoming very, very clear to me is that there are there is a great interest among universities the community, oh. for example oh. has been uh, has been um, very active in South Sudan negotiating. Um, a Rome initiative that is in support of the peace process uh, done by IGAD there. And uh, in mm-hmm. the U.S. there is a growing movement of students at on Hold University, at uh, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. at Princeton in support of the peace process in South Sudan. And that's very good because uh, that's exactly what you want. You want uh, people to pay attention to peace, pay attention to the <laughs> possibilities of peace, and to pay attention to their capacity in contributing to peace.
0: That's excellent, and I I think uh, it's interesting that what you started for to reach the members is uh, like the religion of Christianity itself has burbled over. Uh, you're burbling out into the Gentiles, and uh, you're finding the peace peace potential everywhere, which I think is great. Uh, I've got to. I, I was wondering if you could give us because. Pieces is, is a process in a building, and you have techniques and so forth, would it be possible for you to give me an example of someone that, that you've dealt with who seems on the outside of a fanatic, a hardline fanatic, but on the inside has true concerns that you might find an avenue with? Can you, do you have a story like that?
1: Yeah, there are many stories like that, actually, because uh, to a certain extent you can say that uh, peace comes when there are moments like the one that you describe of people that are hardliners outside and then are wondering, you know, questioning, uh, inquiring inside. And what the Comedio Sant'Egidio does is exactly to get in touch with that wondering, with with that wonder, with that asking questions. And um, sometimes it's unexpected, you know. We had, um, I remember this moment very vividly when um, the peace agreement in Mozambique was stalling, and uh, there was a collection of signatures in you know, all the churches of uh, Mozambique, a very ecumenical uh, effort of all the churches uh, in Mozambique. And they were brought to the negotiating table in Rome and the guy uh, that was leading the, the 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 negotiation was very tough and very confrontational and so on. And yet, mm-hmm. when he received the signature, went to check the signature of his own church in this uh, yeah. remote area of the central Mozambique, and there he found the signature of his father and his mother. And he was touched, oh and he was God. clearly um, touched by this oh gesture that was arriving you know, after years and years of separation with the message that the family was sending, you know, you really, I really hope that you will bring peace to the country. And, of course, you oh cannot gosh, plan really. these kind of things. You know, you cannot uh, make them happen just because you decide them, but you can definitely build on them once they happen.
0: Oh, true, true. I see. Wow, that's that is amazing. That is an amazing happenstance and an event that uh is if you work at it it's like everything, the harder you work, the luckier you become. Andrea, uh Well, Andrea Bartoli will continue sharing his remarkable methods of uh, international conflict resolution right after you and I take a brief sorbet from today's Feast of Wisdom as we offer you a few utensils for the feast. Um, And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer, of yourself and since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career allow me to ask will this be the day that you sweep away those distractions and subtle persuasions that are derailing you from driving toward your own goals or will you continue to delay your own dreams amidst the clutter of routine activity the choice my friend is truly yours And as a second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from uh, our humor source book, In the Words of My Wife's Husband, and I am pulling it down and going through here. Okay. Oh, here's one I love. Here's one. Okay. If you can afford to pay your people what they're worth, you need better people. (laughs) So what do you think, Andrea? uh, You're a dean... At Seton Hall, you've worked in Columbia. Is it true that uh, academics, uh, a good academic, is a pearl beyond price and can never be paid what he's valued? What do you think?
1: Well, to a certain extent, nobody's ever paid uh, what uh, what is value. The value is clearly more than what we can pay with money. Um, but I do mm-hmm. think that it would be good to pay, in general, academic more because I feel that uh, they... Have a very important role to play in society, our generation our future it depends on them and it would be good to be um, respectful and uh, um, recognize this uh, this contribution by the way, I'm not the dean of the school of diplomacy. I left the deanship oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 I left the deanship last year I am the president oh. of the Santa Diego Foundation for peace and dialogue. I was the dean at the school um for Conflict Analysis and Resolution at Mason for many years, too. I was at Columbia. You mentioned Columbia. That's very true. I was the founding director of the Center for International Conflict Resolution. So I have a lot of academic connections. I'm still a fellow at the Center for Cooperation, Conflict, and Complexity at Columbia University. So I, I have plenty of uh, connection with, uh, with <laughs> academia, but uh, it's good to be precise.
0: Uh, yes. Well, I thank you. And uh, one of the things that I've, I've always tried very hard to do uh, is, is have guests who are a lot smarter than the host. Of course, it's uh, in my case, it's almost impossible to do otherwise. So uh, as, uh, anyway, if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit... Uh, bartspooks.com and pick up your copy of the 101 or the 102 best business quips and you can inject yourself and your fellow dream chasers at work with an uplifting barrel of joviality and and perhaps make yourself worth listening to. And as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is uh, the, the name of the individual who said, if you want to know what God thinks of money, just look at the people he gives it to. Those words were spoken by none other than the renowned journalistic wit, and member of the famed Algonquin Table of Literati, Miss Dorothy Parker. Congratulations to all your winners, and stick with us because later on in the show blurting your way comes another enriching quotation, and if you are among the learned souls who so knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com, I-N-F-O at Bart's com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind-inspiring inspiring gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstore. And Andrea will continue to put you on to the uh, guide through the fine art of contract resolution right after I introduce to you the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, who invites you to take good scrutiny of their popular volume, CEO of Yourself, Getting Down to the Business of Your More Rewarding Life. So let me ask you, my friend, who's making your life choices? Are you directing the enterprise of you, or perhaps have you fallen into default mode? And is that governance of yourself bringing you a more f- fulfilling life that you know, you just know lies out there? Well, CEO of yourself helps you discover your many marvelous assets and employ them toward the goals of bringing you a, a sense of mastery and a lot more fun. Uh, and a little caveat here i must say ceo of yourself is not a book for the lazy nor for weaklings it makes you stand up and using the model of chief executing officer you've got you form such things as principles and you forge your own character sculpt yourself into the effective person you want to be so if you've got that kind of fire in your belly and desire for an exhilarating life well then go for it my friend pick up your copy of ceo for your ceo of yourself just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy Carpe diem, my friend. You are indeed worth it. And now, with utensils in hand, let us return to Dr. Andrea Bartoli, peace negotiator extraordinaire, uh, who is going to guide us through a little more of some of our own conflicts and resolution. And, Andrea, I was wondering if we could turn – we've mentioned it, too. I'd like to turn to our own United States here. We've just finished mm-hmm. a, a, a very contested election. We've had entrenched parties seemingly beyond all reconciliation, and um, even even though we swore it could never quote could never happen here, violence tragically erupted at our nation's capital on January sixth. And alas, the divisions still remain. So, what can we as Americans? I don't I don't mean political leaders. I mean we, we people. What can we do to begin a healing?
1: Well, we definitely must listen more. I think that uh, there are many, many voices that must be listened to, pay attention to, and I think that the screaming, the the um, way in which uh, voice is conveyed, is sometimes very, very difficult to hear. You know, there is a an unpleasant quality to a, a screaming voice, and uh, I think that we need to create spaces in which uh, it, is, it is possible to listen, it is possible to um, understand. It's um, certainly um, the way I see it as an immigrant that came to this country um, 28 years ago um, uh-huh. is an issue of uh, self-control. It's an issue of uh, regaining a very old uh, American posture. And um, I think it's an important uh, uh, dimension because it's very difficult to have a conversation if uh, nobody's listening. <laughs>
0: yes. Well, I, I I'd like to, if I uh, I may, just hypothetically put you uh, in an imaginary conference table, Andrea. On on one side is sitting uh, four members of the Proud Boys, and facing across four advocates uh, from Black Lives Matter. Each of them is embraced by fear, and each of them has a pain pain that we really must address. And you sit down, and how would you begin a dialogue? How would you begin invoking a
1: dialogue? Well, first of all, I'd probably invite everybody to just stand up and move around. I don't think that the positioning of four and four is very conducive, and I think that it would be extremely important to have personal, individual introductions. And hopefully um, there are women in the room, and hopefully there is a good diversity in the room. And I think that uh, there is a possibility for people to start listening to one another before they become the representative of Black Lives Matters and uh, the Proud Boys. I think that we are always more than what we are representing. And I think that there is a, a uh, collapse, there is a collapse uh, of complexity once you are um, identified only with one uh, uh, expression. I think that there is a richness to the human experience that must be uh, um, acknowledged. And even within the Proud Boys, I'm sure that there are different experiences, even among the Black Lives Matters, team, you know, there are differences. And I think that uh, the role the for me would be to connect with each person as a person. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, through that, uh, the reaches of those coming uh, from uh, the different uh, position will be enriched. I think that uh, movement is essential in any effort to listen.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay. That's excellent. I I I like the way you do that and I think it is so true that what you said was that we are so much more than the cause we represent. That each of us is. And I, I'm I'm glad you said that. And I'd also like to look at the from the uh well, we're still in the US with our political uh Jobs, you had said something to me that with, that America has a special advantage in that for years and years and years uh, we uh, have had a, a special edge in that we have accepted commitment to differences. Uh, was your term that is we can agree to disagree but still get the job done. Now we've had a four-year-old actually. Division. actually oh, Yeah, you get,
1: you get the you get the job done because you agree to disagree. Uh-huh. It's, it's not. Uh-huh. Oh. It's, it's not. It's that. Uh, but the, the issue of disagreement is that uh, there is no progress without some form of tensions and questioning. So the great advantage of the American system is that disagreement is not interpreted as uh, collapse or disrespectful. Or it, it is a It is what it is. It is. A, it is a disagreement. So to agree to disagree is a fundamental experience of the American democratic experiment. And I think Mm -hmm. it's an important element for everyone. I think that no system can survive and thrive if differences not only are not allowed, but are not allowed to be differentiated as they need to be, as they have to be. So life is continuously differentiating. If you think about our life today and our life 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it's incredible how different the situation is today. We we read this morning about uh, General Motors uh, moving away from... gas and diesel uh, engine in 2035 i mean this is this is amazing they're they're going to be all electric or all
0: clean clean fueled by by 2035 Uh, says gm
1: and you and you you imagine what what how people in saudi arabia may have listened to the news (laughs) you know i mean yeah.
0: From a business point of view, I just want to add. I think it's about this is going to be a wake-up call that may, for the first time, take companies like Exxon and say and have them finally, finally admit, no, we are not in the oil business. We are in the energy business, and we can stop being as flexible as pig iron and actually find another way to make to join, join the the, the profit. I'm not going to go the way of the buggy whip. Uh, Anyway, I'm sorry. You you see what I'm saying? But but that's
1: exactly the point. The point point is that differentiation is always mm -hmm, happening. mm -hmm.
0: So diversity
1: is always generative, and I think that the American system is organized in such a way that differences are recognized and in many ways encouraged. So to agree to disagree is very important as a concept because the fundamental Mm -hmm. idea is that you must agree. It's good to agree, but agree right. not in the agreement in which everybody comes together and uh, acquiesce and uh, let everything be just because there is an authoritarian norm that is imposing on everybody conformity, but rather because right. in the moment of life, you know, this time you are leading, tomorrow I will be leading, and the third day somebody else will come and do things differently. And this is how the vitality of the American system is preserved.
0: So I take it you're hopeful for us?
1: I'm very hopeful. Very hopeful, and in many ways I am uh, so hopeful that I decided to become American. I made my application to become an American uh, just a few days ago in preparation of this show to give the announcement and tell everybody that... uh, that this is That's really happening. True. And I think that this is good news because I really think that America is still America and should be America and we should keep America um, a welcoming, important, dynamic place for everyone. You know, There is this wonderful line by Langston Hughes that said, America was not America for me. But then it says, America will be. And I, I do believe that America will be. I, I really,
0: really, in a
1: way... I need America to be America, you know. The world needs America to be American.
0: Well, I'll tell you what else that we need. We need America needs more people like Andrea Barverley, and uh so I'm really glad that, that you are coming in to jo- join the rest of us. And uh by the way, you have worked so hard as I say uh you and we, you were honored by the Prometheus Awards for your Peace uh, brokering work, and your uh, conflict resolution. So what would you say, what, what bit of advice do you have for that individual who wants to start some social enterprise, who wants to uh, move an, an organization forward? Uh, uh, what advice would you have for that young entrepreneur?
1: I would say uh, take uh, Bart's book uh, seriously and uh, take yourself seriously. To be the CEO of yourself is an important uh, beginning. I think that uh, the issue here is to be real, you know, to do what you can do, to seek the words that you can say, to do the actions that you can be responsible for, and to learn through the process what you need to learn. There is something about each of us individually being called to life and to the fullness of it. And I really believe that uh, if we look around, there is a, an enormous need for more social entrepreneur. there is a need for more seriousness, more dedication, more uh, evidence-based decision-making, more result orientations, and so on. And this will come when people take themselves seriously and take problems seriously.
0: Thank you. That's, that's really wonderful. Now, Andrea, I, I, I'd love to go on for about another... Two hours but I'm afraid we're running out I, I have one final question for you and that is that if if uh, someone out there listening in is seeking to learn more about your work or perhaps join the community of San Egidio uh, or, or take the techniques from your Foundation for Peace and Dialogue how might uh, he get in touch with you?
1: The simplest way is to get in touch with community of San Egidio um, and it's santegidio.org, A-N-T-E-G-I-D-I-O, one word, santegidio.org. And uh, there are contact information, and uh, you can uh, uh, try that way. Uh, or to write to us at santegidiousa@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I thank you very much, and this has been a very hopeful and very enlightening uh, afternoon for me and I I thank you very much for coming on on the program and we hope to have you back. Thank you
1: for having me Thank Thank you for having me Thank
0: you. So as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson your curator of business wisdom leaving you with today's quotation Uh, and who was it who said first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win (laughs) <laughs> and as a hint, this giant among people led India through the successful nonviolent revolution to free it from the yoke of British sovereignty. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just write that author's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at com That's I N F O at B A R T S B O O K S dot com to win an absolutely career igniting gift from the dungeons of Bartsbooks Bookstore. And as a parting shot, In the words of my wife's husband, the best place to find those Congress folks who keep proclaiming that masks and COVID-19 were a hoax is right in the front of the vaccine distribution line. (laughs) And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope that you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as as much as Andrea and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this in all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with our time, with your time, may I say as always, it has been a privilege. And I thank you.